Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday. A lot to get into the world of Hollywood today. Some major storylines, a lot of news, and we're going to dive right into it. Some trending trailers that went on today. I'm also going to be talking about the first look at the highly anticipated video game adaptation of Uncharted. Also, Jared Leto is coming back as the Joker in Zack Snyder's Justice League. A few release date changes, especially to one major blockbuster in 2021 and more. But, excuse me, the first thing that I do want to talk about is a release date change that happened to another highly anticipated film, specifically Candyman, got a new release date yesterday for August 27th, 2021. It was initially undated after Universal made a few changes to their release schedule. They didn't know where to put this film, but they decided to put it towards the tail end of the summertime of 2021. Obviously, because of what we've seen with a lot of release date changes over the last, basically, this whole year, since the month of March, we're going to probably see a lot more fluidity happen with the release date calendar. There's probably going to be a whole lot more moves to come. It's probably going to be for films that are in production right now that are probably going to have to be pushed back to 2022. 2023 there's a lot of stacked material as of right now and we don't know what's going to happen in december and january and february so those films might have to be pushed back towards sometime in 2021 which means films that were supposed to come out in let's say mid summer of 2021 will probably be pushed back to a later date so the, it's just a very fluid release schedule right now and i hope we get to see this film soon i mean i've been very much looking forward to this semi-sequel or spiritual sequel as Nia DaCosta has been calling it for some time and to see Yaya Abdul-Mateen kind of be in really his first leading role in a major motion picture he's been all over the place as of lately from Trial of Chicago 7 to playing Dr. Manhattan Watchmen to really being introduced to people playing Black Mantis in Aquaman this is his first kind of leading role in a film that I think a lot of people are looking forward to it's produced by Jordan Peele and also the fact that Nia DaCosta will be taking over the mantle of Captain Marvel filming its sequel in the near future. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on this film, I think, moving forward. And again, we don't know when this film is going to really come out. It is set for August 27th, which I think is a smart date. I think that Labor Day time is usually where a lot of horror films are going. We've seen them have some kind of success as of lately. And I think for Candyman, Nia DaCosta wants this film to have a theatrical release date. So for the studios, production companies behind this to actually fulfill that wish and not put it on VOD or sell it to a streaming service, I think shows the dedication they have that they want to put this in theaters. So again, we'll see what happens. But again, there's no surefire thing that this will come out in on August 27th. Again, it's going to be very fluid, but we will see what happens moving down the pipeline. And another release date that did change was another film that's moving to the summer movie season to June 11th, and that is the film Ghostbusters Afterlife. The, I guess you could call it spiritual sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 from the 1980s is moving to that date, which makes sense. It was supposed to come out this year during the summer movie season. It is a summer movie. I think the trailer, the first teaser that came out, got a lot of people excited. It's going to have Bill Murray back, Sigourney Weaver, Dan, Dan Aykroyd is coming back as 
as well. You have Finn Wolfhart and a few others that are coming on board that are part of the new cast. It's being directed by Jason Rittman, who is the son of Ivan Rittman, who directed the, the classic film from the 80s. So there's a lot of legacy behind this movie, and I think people are going to come out for it. And it's just, again, a matter of if it will come out during this time period. It, it's smart for it to come out during the summer movie season, but again, that could change in a blink of an eye. And so this is something that is, again, very fluid. Same thing goes again for Candyman, and we'll see what happens. But no surprise that we're seeing these movies move. I think for Sony, this is more of a strategic move of because I think, especially in the beginning of 2021, March, April are going to be a lot more stacked than they usually are because of the pile of films that are coming out. They have Venom coming out in March as well. So I don't think they want one film after another to kind of be eating into them. So they're kind of trying to spread it out as best they possibly can with subject changes to probably occur in the next few months, most likely. So what do you guys think about these release date changes for Ghostbusters Afterlife, for Candyman moving to August, for Ghostbusters moving to June of next year? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And moving on forward to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, some news coming out of the Disney Plus shows that are set to air over the next year or so. One of the more highly anticipated ones that is set to be one of the first from the MCU is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And before the pre-COVID time period, it was subjected to be the first Disney Plus show to air in August, but it had to shut down. It had it seems like a few weeks to go, but it seems like it has a, it's still shooting so maybe it was a few more months to shoot before it was shut down and it seems like they're still going right now and there hasn't been a whole lot of plot details regarding this television show we know that anthony mackie sebastian stan are reprising the roles of sam wilson and bucky barnes respectively we have people from the other captain america movies coming back like emily van camp playing sharon carter once again we're having baron zemo played by daniel brule who was in captain america the civil war coming back into this show we're having john wyatt come back or not come back but he is setting to play a usa agent who seems to take on the captain america mantle so there's a lot of anticipation regarding this and again not a whole lot of details but it seems like some details are starting to come out from people and one of the writers on the show talked about how it seems like characters from previous marvel iterations will be coming back to this television show and this is specifically what he had to say the show is going to be cool i'm very proud of and honored by what it came to be here's what i'll say growing up everyone would give someone like a batman character like robin crap but robin's pretty badass and and became pretty badass in the comics taking secondary characters and putting them in the primary roles and they're cooler they're more interesting. There's more humanity, more longing, more suffering, and coming to grips with who and what they are. What I will say is that there are characters from the earliest Marvel movies that are coming back. We're laying them in and reinventing them in a way that's going to shift the storytelling structure. It's awesome. So this kind of lends credence to maybe we could get characters like the Abomination back. We could get Ben Kingsley back to play the, the, the Mandarin or Trevor Slattery and other characters that didn't really get their do in more of like the phase one, phase two iterations of the MCU. And again, we're getting that again with Baron Zemo, where he's going to be outfitted more as the Zemo we know from the comic books than what we got in Civil War. And I think that's a really cool idea. And then going to the to the 
to the details of the supporting characters falcon bucky emily van cam sharon carter those were all supporting roles in the captain america films and to see them kind of become the leading characters in this show and kind of flesh them out a whole lot more is going to be really interesting to see and for my taste falcon and the winter soldier is one of my more anticipated disney plus shows that is coming out in the future it's one of my more anticipated phase four projects that is coming from the pipeline of the mcu and i'm excited to see where the story goes to see how sam wilson adopts the captain america mantle because steve rogers gave him the shield he wanted him to be a successor but it seems like the u.s government wants their own successor to handle the captain america mantle so to kind of see sam wilson come to terms with that honoring steve rogers legacy and becoming the captain america that he will no doubt become probably by the end of this show is exciting to see and to kind of see a new take in it and more depth being brought to the Sam Wilson character and how Bucky Barnes helps him along the way and how they kind of go off of each other and what seems to be kind of like a buddy cop adventure that we're going to get. So this seems exciting. I like hearing these details and to kind of get maybe more, again, kind of reinventing these characters a little bit more is going to be interesting. Could we get the abomination? We saw what happened with Colonel Ross in which he performed in the Incredible Hulk, but he came back for Civil War and Infinity War, and there was a little bit of a reworking structure with his character to fit in what the MCU is right now. So they clearly can do that with these other characters, and it's going to be exciting. And I think you can do that with this universe that you're also putting in on Disney Plus, and you have more stories to tell, not just on the big screen, but on the the, the small screen as well. And I think a lot of people are wondering, well, what kind of challenge can Kevin Feige muster up now? since he has kind of come full circle with the connected universe with Avengers Endgame. And I think this is going to be the next challenge for him is kind of expanding that universe, not just on the big screen, but on the small screen and making sure that it can kind of ebb and flow in these interconnected universes. And that could be the next big achievement. Plus, integrating the X-Men and Fantastic Four into the MCU as well. So even though I think Kevin Feige hit the creme de la creme of this connected universe, this promise that he fulfilled is checked off the box, there's other things that he's challenging himself with. And I think this is the next one that he's looking to conquer right now with connecting the universe, not just on the movie theater screen, but on television screens as well with Disney Plus and Falcon and the Winter Soldier seems like it knows a direction that it wants to take and the vision that Marvel wants to take with these characters. So what do you guys think about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? More details coming out about the show. Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And staying in the world of superheroes, I want to talk about Jared Leto coming back as Joker reported by the Hollywood Reporter yesterday and it was announced that he will be reprising the Clown Prince of Crime from which he was in David Ayer's Suicide Squad in 2016 and from that point on it just didn't seem like his character of the Joker would really kind of lift off and we had Joaquin Phoenix's award-winning turn as Joker in Todd Phillips's film last year so people were wondering if we would ever get Jared Leto's version of the Joker again and it's seems like Snyder wants to bring it back for his version of Justice League. And according to reports, it 
wasn't it didn't seem like Jared Leto had any role in the original version that Zack Snyder had of Justice League when he was filming it in 2016 but I guess with the new money invested from Warner Media and HBO Max Zack Snyder has more tools to really kind of play with now he has money to do some reshoots some pickup shots and add more characters to his version of Justice League according to the Hollywood Reporter article He'll be joined by Ben Affleck reprising his role as Batman for this. Ray Fisher is on set. And also another surprising name that was reported is Amber Heard. I guess Zack Snyder wants to include some more, has have more involvement of Mira in this film. So it'll be very interesting to see how her character plays a bigger part. We know she shot stuff for the film when Zack Snyder was shooting it in 2016 as well. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how her role expands in this version of justice league so i think this is all interesting and i think this lends credence to the point of first off the fact that this is going to be really a whole new original thing i think when people were talking about the snyder cut people thought that this was something that was locked away ready to go warner brothers just shielded it away and they just need to kind of work do a few touch-ups and that's it but clearly there's a lot more that needed to be worked upon and maybe as zach was working on this he realized that maybe there were some more expanded ideas that I have that I want to include in this film. Maybe it's the fact that when it was announced that this would be a miniseries, one of the big questions was, was there something within the original cut that Zack Snyder had that in his version that would be able to kind of end on one episode and begin another episode? So maybe this is kind of him working on that and including these different character arcs and different characters in there that would warrant that and also the fact that maybe this is lending credence to the fact that Zack Snyder's vision is going to extend beyond this potentially I wouldn't get ahead of myself on that right now or there could be the possibility that because according to reports years ago that Snyder always intended this to be a a five film arc there was supposed to be uh, a second Justice League part and another film involved in there somewhere I don't know if it was a Man of Steel 2 or another project maybe part 3 of Justice League but he always envisioned the first Justice League of his to be kind of like Infinity War and Endgame where it was kind of telling one story but left the door open to tell another part specifically with the character of of Darkseid. So maybe the reshoots that he's doing right now or the pickup shots is including an ending to this that kind of caps off the journey that he went through with Man of Steel, BVS, and now to Justice League. So maybe it's telling this full this full story that he didn't get to tell in the five film arc and he's putting it all in in this one film, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm really happy for him to be able to do that. And also the the other big thing that I'm I'm excited about is the fact that we get more of Jared Leto's Joker because listen Suicide Squad was a, a, a big turd it was not a good film whatsoever did it had some fun parts it definitely did but it was really just a, a mosh posh it didn't really have anything really connecting it it just didn't feel it felt all over the place and kind of like what happened with Justice League 
ha- kind of happened with David Ayer, where he it seemed like there was a lot of studio meddling involved with the film, and really the the stuff that we saw in the Comic Con trailer that came out in 2015 that Ayer showed was not what we got in 2016 with the final cut of Suicide Squad. And one of the big things that was always talked about was the fact that Jared, a lot of stuff from Jared Leto's Joker was cut out in the final version of the film that was put in theaters. And then we all know the story where Jared Leto was not happy that Warner Brothers decided to go in basically a different direction in a, in a solo movie about the Joker with a different actor in a different universe. And in the end, it was highly, highly rated, beloved. Joaquin Phoenix's performance was lauded from critics and audience members alike, and it ended up hit. It ended with him winning the Academy Award for Best Actor at the Oscars this past February. So for Jared Leto, I'm sure there's a little bit of bitterness there. And somehow he was able to be convinced to come back for the Joker. And again, even in the Suicide Squad, one of the things that I really was looking forward to more in a Suicide Squad 2 or whatever we were going to get with Jared Leto's Joker in the future, I wanted to see more of it because I thought... It was a good taste for what he was delivering. It was something different. It was a new, it was a new version of the Joker that we never kind of saw before. So even though it was a little kooky and crazy, I was into it a little bit, and I wanted to see more. And I'm excited that hopefully, maybe we get to see Affleck's Batman and Leto's Joker on the same screen together because one of the things that I thought I really wanted to see fulfilled and showcased with this new version of Batman is that it seems like he's old, gritty, tough, and he's been through the ringer and he's been through allies, specifically Robins, whether it is Jason Todd's Robin or it's a Dick Grayson Robin. It seems like there's history behind there. So I really want to kind of see that brought to the spotlight. I was hoping to get that with Ben Affleck's Batman film. But if we don't get that, then I hope Snyder is able to follow through with what he kind of teased us with in BVS and showcase that in the Justice League. And maybe that's what he's going to do. And for people that are wondering if this is just going to be a a quick cameo or a few scenes and that's it. I don't think you convince Jared Leto to come back for this if it's not not a substantial role, but something that isn't just a few scenes and you're out. It has to have some meaning to the story, whether it's to the, the story of the Justice League or whether it's more personal to the storyline of Batman, whether it's flashbacks of the Batman. I don't really know, but you wouldn't ask him to come back to this role where it seemed like he was done it seemed like he was never coming back to play the joker and all of a sudden you're able to to convince him to come back for this for how however many scenes so i wonder what they're looking to do with this and again it lends credence to maybe snyder had visions and plans for the joker in his five film arc and maybe he's putting it into this film so there's a lot of questions surrounding this and i think there's a lot more hype going forward and the fact that there are more reshoots happening there are pickup shots the fact that cast members are coming back i mean again the big get for me is that Ben Affleck is willing willing to come back into this sandbox and play in it. And we all know the stuff that he said earlier in the year and all the stuff that he went through the last few years after playing Batman. He just didn't want to come back to the role. And I guess he's in a better part of his life right now where he feels comfortable going back. He's not just coming back for, the, for JL. He's going to be in the Flash movie as well. So I think the fact that he's willing to come back to this 
lends itself to the fact that people really want to see Snyder's version fulfilled in some kind of way. And, and I think we're going to get an updated version of what he wanted to do. It's not just going to be what he originally wanted to do in 2016. I think, the, again, the fact that he's bringing back Mirror, he's bringing Joker into the foray there's more to this than meets the eye and so it gets me excited and i i think the fact that this is coming on hbo max in a in a 2021 where theater going is up in the year we don't know when we're going to get kind of fully integrated back into theaters when studios are going to want big blockbuster films to kind of open the theaters back up again this could kind of be a major superhero project that we might be the first thing that we see since birds of prey really if we don't get wonder woman in december or we don't get black widow in may or anything else or like a venom in march if we don't get any of these films for the foreseeable future Justice League might be bigger than anticipated. And again, this could be the start of something bigger than we realize. And another thing that I want to talk about with this is the fact that John Berg and Jeff Johns have decided, according to The Hollywood Reporter, that they are taking themselves off the project. They will not have producing credits. That is led to the fact that they no longer work at Warner Brothers. They don't work at the Warner Brothers division of film with DC. And they're not a part of producing this project. They were a part of the original uh, filming of Snyder's film. And then they came on with Josh Whedon to do a lot of the reshoots that led to what we saw in 2017. And they're not a part of this. So it makes sense. It seems like this is all Zack Snyder. The fact that he is able to kind of have the freedom that he has right now. I don't think a lot of directors, a few directors are able to kind of have the freedom that he is having right now. And I hope he's enjoying it because to get a second chance at this, he definitely deserves it for what he has gone through. And we'll see what happens. I think this is smart that it's a a limited series. It's four parts or, hey, I mean, depending on what he's doing now, that could extend to five, six parts maybe. So we'll see what happens. But uh, the more I hear about this, the more that we're seeing people come back to this, the more I get excited. And it's not just ADR, voiceovers. There's more filming that's going on. So this is going to turn out to be something that is really really cool and kind of what turned out to be a sour story at first seems like it's going to have a really good ending if people like this thing hopefully so there's a lot to really unpack with this story and i really want to know what you guys think about jared little coming back as the joker and again i'm i'm interested to see the kind of take and kind of evolution that he has taken as an actor since then maybe he's wondered well maybe i can do stuff differently now that i didn't do beforehand and what people really want with this joker what they want to see with it maybe he can tone it down a little bit it'll be interesting to kind of see what what his acting method is going to be going into the the reshoots or the pickup shots that he's going to be doing with Zack snyder on this shoot so what do you guys think about it let me know and leave your thoughts below and moving on to a first look that actually happened with uncharted this morning and the video game adaptation of the nathan drake storyline of uncharted is really happening and this is a film that has been through production hell for years going from director to director to director to director it's been one hell of a ride and it seems like this thing is actually happening as sony and tom holland have officially well i shouldn't say give but they have officially unveiled the first photo of Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, a very young Nathan Drake. And this is kind of going to be a prequel 
based off of the video game adaptation where the Nathan Drake that we know from the video games is seems like he's in his late 20s, early 30s. He's more mature. He still has that childlike quality to him, but he's not the age that Tom Holland is right now. And people were wondering at first if Tom Holland would have been a little too young when they casted him. But I think he's the right age for what you would expect Nathan Drake to, to be at a very young stage. He looks like he's in his late teens, early 20s, starting out as an adventurer. You have Mark Wahlberg coming in to play Victor Sully. So I'm excited to see kind of that commodity go between one another. And we have Antonio Menderes coming in who might be playing the villain. I'm not quite sure yet. There hasn't been a big description on who his character is, but I'm, I'm interested in this. And I haven't personally played the Uncharted video games, but I've watched them kind of like how I did The Last of Us Part 2 earlier this, this summer. I did that with the Uncharted video games where I kind of watched them as movies because even though they're video games, they do act like movies where it's this one storyline going on an adventure. You have rich characters with Sully, Drake, and his and his girlfriend slash wife, and you have all these interesting villains. It seemed like it was a an Indiana Jones vibe to it, and I think hopefully that's what we get with this film. He Again, the, the costume is kind of accurate to what we expect Nathan Drake to look like, and also along with the first shot of Tom Holland as Drake, we also got the the behind the scenes looks of what seemed like to be a temple with an artifact and this book, which seems like it featured Sir Francis, which has a lineage to Nathan Drake. And we also saw kind of the passing of the the, the baton a little bit where we had the, the actor, I don't know his name specifically, but he was the guy who did the the voice of Nathan Drake and also probably did the the, the mocap suit of software, the kind of tracking for Nathan Drake. So to kind of see him talking to Tom Holland, you see some behind the scenes features. This seems like it could actually work itself out, especially after, again, the production hell that this film went through over the years to kind of see it finally up and running, going, excites me. And the only thing that's really holding me back a little bit, a little about the film is its director, Ruben Flesher, who did the two Zombieland films, which I really like, but he also did Venom. And that has become more of like a guilty pleasure film for a lot of people where it's bad, it's good. And I hope it's more in line for what we got with Zombieland in terms of his direction. He goes for more the big action spectacle, which we want with this film. But you can kind of tell when some things are CGI, they're blatantly CGI. So hopefully he's able to kind of mix this blend of practical effects with CGI that 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 blends itself a little bit more for a, a better perfect mixed cocktail of what we want with this film. But in terms of Tom Holland, I think for any people that were skeptical of the appearance of him as Nathan Drake, I think with this one picture that can all go away. I think people can be excited about him in this role. And I think there's a reason why Sony wanted him to be in this because I think they can start this out as a young Nathan Drake, start it out as a prequel. And if this first film is a success, then they can lock him up for many, many films down the line where they can grow up with Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. So this does have the potential to be a franchise hit. It's coming out in March right now, which again could change depending on what happens with COVID. And I think video games have not had the best track record when it comes to box office. I mean, 
you look at something like a Detective Pikachu, that did modestly okay at the box office, and it's one of the highest-grossing video games of video game films of all time. Sonic is, I think, the most recently good success story to come out for video games. But other than that, I mean, I remember when Warcraft came out, people thought that was going to be the film that broke in to the world of video games with this franchise, but that didn't really work out. Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander was a modest success where it made enough money to greenlight a sequel, but that seems to be a ways off right now. So it seems like Uncharted has the recipe to become that big franchise, that money-making hit for video games where I think you have the right movie star in Tom Holland. You have a backup movie star that can be his go-to right-hand man in Mark Wahlberg. And it's going to come down to their chemistry because we're going to want to go on more adventures with these guys. We want to be able to believe the chemistry that they have like a father-son dynamic with one another. So that's going to be key. And the adventure. Make it like a fun not too complex, but make it like a fun mystery adventure like we get with Indiana Jones. And just make sure that these characters are appealing and they're fun and they have a good story to tell as well. And if you do all that and you mix it well together, you could have a viable franchise on your hand with this. And I think that is what Sony is hoping they get with this Uncharted film. So a good start. Again, they're still filming right now, so we don't know what we're going to get. I'm sure we're ways off from getting a trailer. So... Tom Holland is a is a very busy man, and he doesn't just have this, but after Uncharted, he's going from this back into the MCU and shooting Spider-Man 3, and he's apparently reportedly not going to be done shooting Spider-Man 3 until March, so he's got a very jam-packed end of 2020, beginning of 2021, with two major franchises, one that's already a surefire bet in the MCU and his version of Spider-Man, which has been very successful so far, and a potential franchise starter with Nathan Drake in Uncharted. So Tom Holland could have two major franchises on his hands, and, and he's already become a movie star. He's become not a bankable name where it's because of him you go see a film. Like, if you were to put Tom Holland in a drama that might not make a lot of money but if you mix tom holland with these big name franchises i think you could get people to go see it and i think people would want him to be in those films so i think you get him involved him attached he could very well be a a a superstar on the rise he's already a star but in terms of being a major 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 a-lister I think this could get him over the hump with if he has two franchises on his hands and they're both successful and a large part of that is because of him. So there's not a lot riding on Tom Holland, but I think Tom Holland is suited and booted to do the job. And this gets me interested and excited to see what Uncharted can be about when it comes out next March. What do you guys think about this first look of Nathan Drake in Uncharted? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about today is moving into two trending trailers that came out earlier this morning. And it really has been a one-two punch of Wednesday and Thursday being major days for movie trailers. Yesterday, we had Raya and The Last Dragon. We also had a few other trailers that really kind of made their impression. We had Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Monday. There there were a few trailers that really, I think, kind of really sparked a lot of people's interest in what we could get down the line. And these next two, I think, kind of cap off a really interesting week of trailers. And the first one... 
that I really do want to talk about is the the prom trailer that came out. And this is one that I was talking about actually yesterday when discussing The Witch and talking about kind of one of the directors that I could see doing The Witch, or Wicked, I'm sorry, not The Witch, but Wicked, excuse me, Wicked, the the film, or the Broadway play from The Wizard of Oz that starred Idina Menzel and Christine Chathworth, because the director dropped out, one of the directors that I could see doing that film and picking up the directing mantle was Ryan Murphy, and one of the things that I was interested in seeing was how he did it with the prom, and how he could maybe potentially translate that to Wicked if the prom actually was as good as it looked to be potentially with the pictures and the first look that was coming out. And lo and behold, the next day we got the first trailer for the prom and seeing the pictures, kind of hearing about what this film is about. It's seen, it was right up Ryan Murphy's wheelhouse. He's passionate about this property and seeing the first trailer, it's exactly what I was expecting it to be, where it was this glitzy, glamorous, big production musical that we're going to be getting from Netflix. I mean, the colors just popped right off the screen. And I think this is going to be an exciting musical, especially during the pandemic time. I think this is exactly what people are going to want. And again, I think for people that are fans of Broadway and theater that don't get to have that right now because Broadway is closed down, this is the next best thing. Again, like I was talking about yesterday with Hamilton, Disney Plus wasn't just able to attract more people that were interested in the general audience, but they were able to attract an entirely different demographic within the theater community because they didn't have anything else to watch. They can't go to New York. They can't go to anywhere else that you can go see a, see a play or a musical around the country or around the world. So they went to go watch Hamilton. And I think the same thing can happen with The Prom, which is based off of a, of a Broadway musical and was nominated for Tony's and has a, a, an appeal and you have big names behind this project as well, from Ryan Murphy being behind the camera. You have Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, Kerry Washington, Ariana DeBois, who is going to be making a big statement with this film. It was supposed to be West Side Story and this movie that was kind of going to be a one-two punch for her. But she starts out with this, and then next year she'll have West Side Story. So this will be a big introduction for her. For We'll have Keegan-Michael Key in this. It's, it's a really, really good cast. And it just seems like a fun time. The music is great. The the choreography looks like, again, it's big, it's bold, and the costumes are awesome. Again, it's it's the it's the the, the colors that just pop right out about uh, right out at you and draw you in. And I love the scene where it seems like the the four Broadway stars who have a flop and they decide to go to this town in Indiana to help this girl who wants to take her girlfriend to prom, but because of of conservative restrictions in the town she's not able to do that and to kind of help boost their profile and to try to do a good deed help this woman out and i guess when they get there meryl streep uh and nicole kimmon are trying to sign into a hotel and get the best room possible and meryl streep pulls out her two tonys and it's funny because it seems like meryl streep is playing like that over kind of 
overconfident, cocky kind of person that because as Meryl Streep, she is so revered and so loved and so critically acclaimed and she is the most decorated or not really decorated, but the most nominated actress in in Oscar history. She is considered the GOAT as an actress and I agree with that. She's the greatest actress of all time. So for, for her to kind of be playing this character, it's kind of funny to see that because we all revere Meryl Streep in that way as a person and as an actress. So I thought that was pretty funny. Nicole Kidman looks like she's having a blast. Everybody looks like they're having a blast in this film. And I think this is exactly what people are going to need. And because we can't have West Side Story in the Heights this year, I think there are a lot of big spectacle musicals that were really going to make an impression. I think we at least get one on Netflix. And even though it looks like it, it has that Netflix budget to it, it still looks like a grand time, a fun time, and it could be a major hit for for Netflix. Again, because you're not just bringing in, I think, movie audiences or Netflix audiences, you're, bringing, you're going to bring in an entire demographic that is craving for content that they cannot have right now, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be having for a while. So I think this could kind of be that medicine that they need to kind of at least comfort themselves a little bit, knowing that they have this, they have something like a Hamilton that they can love and appreciate and take them back to that times a little bit. So I think this could be a big success. Again, people were thinking this could be an awards film, an award season prospect. I think it's more geared towards Golden Globes, and I if it hits the way that I think people think it'll hit, I can definitely see it being up for a bunch of Golden Globes. I can see it being nominated for Best Comedy Musical. I can see it being nominated, Meryl Streep and the cast being nominated across the board for Comedy Musical. So it's it's a wait and see at this point, but I think this has a chance to be a Golden Globes contender. Definitely not an Academy Award contender for above the line uh, categories. Definitely some below the line stuff. <clears throat> Costume design, makeup, hair. That definitely seems like it could be in the vein for the prom. So I, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was exactly the, the preview that I was looking for. And honestly, I don't need any other the uh, marketing material to go forward. I think they'll probably come out with another trailer to appease people and, and get people on board with it. This was technically their teaser trailer, even though it kind of felt like more than a teaser. It felt like more like a full-on trailer. I felt like yesterday's Raya and the Last Dragon trailer was more of a teaser than this. So uh, again, but either way, I'm looking forward to it. So the prom looked good, exactly what I expected it to be. It's coming out on December 11th, right around the holiday times for Christmas, Hanukkah, and I think people are going to eat this film up. And it, I think critically, hopefully it turns out to be good, but I think in terms of a hit, this is going to be a big one potentially for Netflix in December. What do you guys think about this film, this trailer for The Prom? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And the final trending trailer that I want to talk about today is the second and first full trailer for the new Paul Greengrass film, News of the World. It stars Tom Hanks and newcomer Helena Zengel, and it's about this kind of loner who seems like he takes newspapers from around the country and reads it to local towns, giving them updates of what's going on around the, the country. This takes place five years after the Civil War, and I guess while on his travels, Tom 
Hanks's character stumbles upon this carriage and this little girl who it seems like was taken by Native Americans and lit and grew up as, as really kind of a, a native speaking a native tongue. And it seems like Tom Hanks is taking her on a mission to bring her back to her home. And the synopsis for when I first read it sounded a lot like The Searchers, the film, the, the classic Western from John Ford and John Wayne. And watching the trailer, it gave me real hard searcher vibes in that this is Paul Greengrass's Western. He's, when you think of Paul Greengrass, you think of the Bourne films or you think of Captain Phillips where they're more of high octane dramatic thrillers and with this film it's it's a lot more nuanced it's a lot more calm throughout the trailer you see some action move move about and you see some western action which I'm excited about but it's it seems like it's, it's all more about the characters and the relationships, specifically between Tom Hanks and this little girl, and and how he grows up. I guess to kind of become this father figure to this to this girl, and and kind of fitting her into the society that we know right now. And I, it's more. It seems like it's going to be more of a human story than just kind of this all-out thriller than what we pre- previously gotten. And for Tom Hanks, I mean, I love seeing him in this role. I mean, he's a national treasure. Whatever Tom Hanks is in, I will always go see. He just brings this kind of calmness to a role. And he does the same thing with this. And it, it's got, again, the searcher vibes. It's got some true grit vibes as well. So it seems like Paul Greengrass is going full on Western with this. And it's something new and different. And again, then again, we've seen him do before. So it definitely seems like it's going to be an awards contender. I think if he hits out of the park, like it looks like he does with this film, he could be up for best director. And I, I think this film could really speak to what we're dealing with right now in times where people are very subjective about their news gathering. And it seems like Tom Hanks is a journalist who is trying to not convince people of what the news is, but just tell it how it is with these newspapers and be a voice for people and kind of just be a conduit. And I'm really excited to see how this film plays out. I think the cinematography is gorgeous. It it looks beautiful. My friend was pointing out the editing, but I can't really tell by the editing until I really see the film. But cinematography looks gorgeous. Acting is great. I love the chemistry between Tom Hanks and this little girl. So I think this could definitely be a potential awards contender. And it really impressed me for what I saw with this trailer. So my hat once again goes off to Tom Hanks, to Paul Greengrass for doing something new. And I'm interested in seeing how they pull this off with this movie. It's right now supposed to come out in theaters on Christmas Day. We'll see if that sticks it. But in the end, what do you guys think about news of the world? Do you think it'll keep its November 20th, or not November 25th, but December 25th release date? Let me know and leave your thoughts below what you thought of both of these trailers, The Prom and News of the World. And the final thing that I'm going to be talking about today is my annual Throwback Thursday review, a film that I talk about and and I watch over the week, and I decide to make it a film that I want to talk about, something that took place years ago that we can kind of talk about and get into. And one of the films, or one film that I really saw this weekend that really kind of hooked me that I haven't seen in a while, but I, I really, it's such a great action film and so different than anything that I've really ever seen before. And it is the John Woo film, 
Face Off, starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. It's about this FBI agent who plays this cat and mouse game with a terrorist, and the terrorist falls into a coma, and basically John Travolta has to find this bomb before it goes off, and the only way they can do it is by impersonating this terrorist, by literally taking his John Travolta's face off and putting Nicolas Cage's on. And basically from then on out, chaos ensues, and it's really... It's such a different type of action film that is uh, that is really a mind bender. That it, it's it's just crazy, and and it and it fits so well. And it's also a credit to the acting of both John Travolta and Nicolas Cage because they have to play two two different people. And in the beginning, they're playing themselves, but then they kind of have to reverse and play the other person and and their personalities. And, and so I just think it's a credit to their acting. It's a credit to the fact that John Woo and the screenwriters are able to take audiences along for this ride without kind of confusing people. And I just think it's a, it's a fun film. It, the, the action is awesome. It, it's gunfighting. It, it's hand-to-hand combat. It, it's kind of a, 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 a don't-let-up ride. But at the same time, there are character moments where you're feeling for some of these characters and there's layers to them, especially John Travolta's character. And I just think it's one of, I think for me at least, it's one of John Travolta's best pieces of work in terms of acting. And I think the same can go for Nicolas Cage as well for what they are asked to do with this film. And I think if you're a fan of action and if you haven't seen Face Off, I highly recommend it. I watched it on, on television this weekend, so it, it was it was kind of cool to to see this, and it has kind of slow motion involved with it, but it's not too hands on with slow mo. So I definitely recommend checking it out when you get a chance. It's a fun, fast, entertaining ride that doesn't let you out of your seat till the very end. Has some great character moments, some good comedic moments, some great acting again from its two main leads. And this was, I think, John Woo's kind of. To me, it's one of one of my favorite John Woo films. I know he's done MI Mission Impossible too, and that was okay. It was kind of the same thing that we got with Face Off, and he has a particular set of what he does with action. But I think what he was. Able able to do with face off it was it's a, it's a very daunting task when you look at what is entailed in it i think he pulled it off very very well so i definitely recommend watching face off uh, it's a really good action film uh, a great story hard to pull off mind bender but it keeps you along for the ride and keeps you engaged with this film so hopefully you guys can watch face off hopefully you're into face off if you have seen Face Off, let me know what you think about it and um, leave your thoughts in the comment section below. But with that down, guys, that will do it for this edition of the Samba Cell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, also make sure to to check out these other awesome shows 
including Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at RealAmbiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure you follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.